Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Uh, this week, Craig, I believe you chose the film. Yeah, randomly. In the summertime, my sleep schedule gets all screwed up because I'm not working. And so a lot of times I do a good amount of sleeping during the day, which then leads me to be up all night. And I was just uh, scanning through the various streaming services that uh, I have, and Mm -hmm. I was uh, going through HBO Max, and this movie came up, The Bay from 2012. And actually, I had seen this movie before, Mm. but, you know, I I was just putting it on to, like, have on while I was laying down, and if I went to sleep, whatever, it's fine, because I've seen it. But I ended up watching the whole thing, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about. I think it'll be weird to talk about because it's yeah. different than the kind of movies we usually do. I, I mean, there there is a narrative, there is a story, but there really aren't any... I mean, there are some characters um, that appear more than others, but it's not really super focused on any one character or, or small group of characters. Um, it, it's it's set up like a documentary. I mean, it is a faux documentary. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. it actually feels pretty real yeah. uh, in the way that it's put together. I think if you just stumbled upon this and you didn't know that it was a feature film as opposed to an actual documentary, you could easily be fooled. But uh, just because of the way that it's set up, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be kind of weird to talk about. But, you know, we'll we'll see what we yeah. can do. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, the movie was, was not fantastically received, I guess. People, a lot of people liked it. Some people didn't. Uh, I think it has like a 76% rate, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, I went and I read Roger Ebert's review of it because, you know, I like to do that. And I thought I thought what he had to say was quite unfair, actually. He said, eh, it's less of a horror movie and more of like an eco-thriller or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah that's a horror movie. Like, right. Right? we do <laughs> a lot of eco-thriller horror movies. Like, we did Gator, you know, and Jaws. And there are a ton of horror movies that... Uh, involve the natural world kind of going out of control. I think one of the freakiest ones we had seen up to this point was The Beach. Was that what it was called? Yeah. The Beach? Yeah. Oh, my I think, God. Or The Beach House, maybe, something like that. Yeah, that was it. And, and that's, like, nightmarish. And sometimes it's it's even more nightmarish, really, than Freddy Krueger jumping out at you because you ultimately know that's not real. Whereas a movie like this puts things in a context and, and gives a lot of... Um, I mean, I feel like this could happen. You know, and especially since we're going through a pandemic right now, this is just the kind of movie, you know, this sort of eco disaster. We're living an eco disaster horror movie in some ways. And so that makes this movie even more unsettling because it's it's just a little closer to home than probably it felt like in the year 2012. So I don't see that as a criticism at all. I, I was pretty much scratching my head at that being criticism of this movie. Like you said, it is a faux documentary. It is. It's, I mean, found footage, not really. I, it is sort of a found footage movie, but like you said, it's it's more of a, a documentary that was pieced together out of footage like a news reporter or a documentarian would do. And that's the right. whole conceit of the movie. There is a woman, and uh, her name is Donna, right? Yeah. And she is basically a journalist in this small... Or, or was, Chess- yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> the events of the movie supposedly took place in 2009, but she is doing this interview, um, I, I guess what would amount to an expose several years later. Right. But the, 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 the events that transpired were so traumatic to her that she quit journalism altogether and and this is the first time that she's talked about it and and according to her and according to whoever it is behind this documentary these events have never been reported on before which once you see what has happened you would think how could we not know about this you know um how 
could this go unreported? But with all the conspiracy theories that are constantly flying around in the world today, you almost just don't know what to believe. I, you know, my willing suspension of disbelief was, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody probably <laughs> okay. would have covered this up. I don't know. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly what you mean. Anymore, you just throw your hands in the air and go, oh, okay, I'll go along with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true, though. In some ways, the movie's a little bit ahead of its time, isn't it? This is the kind of thing you would see amateur, well, you do see amateur documentarians throwing together up on YouTube. Well, and on podcasts, I, I feel like, oh yeah, you know, obviously this doesn't take that route, but there are so many podcasts out there now about unexplained phenomena and conspiracy theories and whatnot. This seems like exactly the kind of thing that you would find on one of those podcasts, but yeah. um, it, it works. I mean, I honestly, like I said, it, it feels very much like a documentary. I didn't recognize any of them. I don't think so. Yeah. You're you're not pulled out. You know, it's not like oh, this is supposed to be a documentary, but Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts are in it. So obviously, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> right, you know what right. I mean? Like these these aren't familiar faces. These could be real people. Everything feels very natural, and even the horrors that ecological horrors that um, are present here do not seem far-fetched at all no, <laughs> no they really don't <laughs> and, and we said the same thing i think about the beach house didn't we and i think the conceit of that was that uh it was down in the bottom of the ocean some vents that you know those there's constant volcanic activity happening beneath the ocean and all kinds of creatures were learning right in those that, that can survive in super super hot environments um, that were kind of unknown and something kind of like there's a little, there's a little earthquake or something and that just sort of breaks apart and releases some kind of bacteria or something into the water. Uh, in this case, as the movie goes along, we're led to believe that it's a man-made, again, it's like a warning, right? Oh, we've, we've, we've let the waters get too dirty. We've covered things up. We've dumped a, a toxic waste into the water kind of thing, run off from the, I think is a nuclear power plant, run off down the way. Not here. Just... No, no, well, I mean, you know, that's, that's very typical in these types of movies. But even that, I mean, that, of course, you know, uh, during the nuclear crisis there were lots of lots movies of those, right. right lots of those types of movies but this is this hits very much closer to home because not that we don't have nuclear facilities we do but um this actually is just it's a like a fish plant or no chickens uh, chickens oh yes yes it's um yeah, it's like a a, fa a chicken factory mm -hmm. farm, and um, all of the waste from these chickens is just you know piled up right near the waters of the Chesapeake Bay. And not only is that dangerous in itself, because you know you get a lot of waste material in your water, that's dangerous. But also these chickens are treated with growth hormones and various other hormones, so that is in their waste as well and that's what ends up getting in the water and causing this problem. Yeah. And the reason that I say the reason that I say that it hits close to home is because I live in the Midwest in the states mm. and um we have very very near where I live. I live in Missouri and and this in in Iowa right directly above us. They have these enormous hog fa factories these these factory farms where just thousands upon thousands of hogs are kept in relatively small spaces and enclosures um, and of course they produce a lot of waste and that waste has to be processed in some ways and there's a lot of concern about the environmental impact of that yeah um, so this is something that I have I have seen in the news and, and something that is a, a real concern. So when you see it here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I believe this. I believe that corporate industry has less concern about the impact of their practices than maybe they should. And 
when you live in a capitalist country, a society, money makes the world go round and corners are cut and, you know, even legislation. Like in this, they talk about how there are certain levels of waste and hormone that are permissible as long as they stay just below that level of uh, permissible whatever, then they get away with it. Uh, and, and I really think that not maybe something as dramatic as what happens here, but I think that there probably have been and certainly could be some pretty serious consequences to all of that. Well, and that, um, you know, is, is exactly what led Barry Levinson, who is the director of this film, uh, to make the movie. He was originally approached uh, to make a documentary. Uh, he's from Maryland, and so the Chesapeake Bay is, is quite close to his home, and so he had a little bit of a personal attachment to this area, and he was approached to do a documentary about the problems facing Chesapeake Bay, because it does really have issues. Pollution in the water and um, fish dying off and the, the fishing being difficult there. But uh, he kind of learned that Frontline had already done a thing on it, and he was sort of like, you know, nobody's going to care. nobody's really going to care but maybe I could make them care if I made a bit of entertainment out of it if I actually took the same content and he claims you know 80% factual information in this movie obviously not the events that went down but a lot of the facts in this movie about the bay and a lot of the facts about nature and things like that and even like you said the facts that we do have these problems of corporations and animal waste and and stuff not being properly dealt with all of that is quite factual uh, but then he put it together into this you know story that isn't quite as fantastical <laughs> as it could, as we wish it were mm-hmm. and and this way it it's an interesting method of advocacy advo- advocacy advocacy advocism activism it's an interesting <laughs> way <laughs> to activate people right is give them this horror but it it's it's kind of real it can be real and uh i don't know like i said it's so odd to me that people criticize the movie as that way i don't know if it's the same sort of people that just don't like being preached to or you know are just hypersensitive to to messages being in their movies or whatever. But there's definitely a, a message here in this film. And we it's not the first time. It's not even the first time we've dealt with this. Did, even in Alligator, right? Wasn't that about they were experimenting on dogs and growth mm-hmm. hormones and things? Those dogs got dumped into the sewer. And then the alligator pet that got loose was eating the dogs. And, and, and that was the deal. So mm-hmm. it's certainly none of it's terribly original in that regard but the presentation is fantastic it also i think what really makes it horrifying to me and this is how you kind of sold me on the film in the beginning as you were like todd you remember the memes going around about that louse that like yeah <laughs> eats, basically enters a fish through its gills eats away its tongue and then attaches itself to its tongue and it's basically becomes the fish's tongue and I'm like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's like the most disgusting thing, horrifying real life thing that apparently just is a fact of life in nature. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. And I, I don't remember what drew my attention to it initially, but I was just seeing. I mean, you see these images of, oh. of a fish with its mouth open and just this little alien looking creature just nested in its mouth. And... These are real things. They're isopods. Isopods are apparently, you know, prolific and and real and and you know they they exist in nature. And this and ancient, yeah. And this this particular one, uh, I I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Cymotha exigua or or something like that, um, which they talk about in the movie and they show the Wikipedia page, which I'm looking at right now. Um, <laughs> It's a real it thing. Is, yeah, it's a real <laughs> thing. It's a tongue-eating louse. It's a, a parasitic isopod. And the females, attack. they get into a fish, and the females attach themselves to the fish's tongue, eat the tongue, and then implant themselves and basically become the fish's tongue. And then they can continue to get food from whatever the fish eats. And they also eat like, I don't know, secretions from the fish and stuff. The females are bigger and they attach to the tongue. The males are smaller and attached to the gills uh, behind the tongue. And in nature now, 
they are largely harmless. You know, these, yeah. these fish can go on living with these other organisms in them. If they get hungry enough, they can begin to eat the fish from inside, but uh, I don't think that that's what they commonly do. Um, when the fish dies, they will eat it uh, as much as they want, and then they'll exit and look for another host. Um, but it's it, just the real thing. Go to the Wikipedia page or just Google it. You know, Google yeah. fish isopod or whatever, and it it looks like a nightmare, but it's real. And so, to, <laughs> and does. so to take so to take something like that that really does exist, and they they don't even have to change it very much. All they no. say is um, because of all of this growth hormone that's being released into the Chesapeake Bay, um, these things have started to grow uh, and they've become more aggressive, which also is a side effect of growth hormone in animals, whether it be livestock or, or whatever it is. Animals that are given growth hormone do get larger um, and often become more aggressive. So it, it, it doesn't, you don't have to stretch your imagination to believe that this could happen. Well, and one of the things that's said in the movie that I was like, no way, was they're talking. I think it's the CDC is giving a little report once they kind of figure out what this is. And somebody says that these things are known to grow large and they can be large. And they show this picture, this one that looks like a foot long. And I'm like, OK, that's that can't be true. And then I Googled it. <laughs> and yeah. These things come in all sh- in all sizes, really, and uh, even without the growth hormones in nature, these things can get big. It's freaky as hell. <laughs> it's just just freaky as hell. So it, it adds a little bit of um, extra creepiness to the movie when you when you can Google it afterwards and go, "Oh my God, it's right!" You know, like all this stuff can really happen. Well, and the other thing that's freaky about it is the the movie opens up with news footage of. Um, just <sighs> dead fish floating in bodies of water in mass. And, mm. uh, it talks about like unexplained phenomenon of all of these fish dying and not just fish, but birds. Like, and, and these things do happen. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, they say somewhere in the movie that the Chesapeake Bay is something like 75% or 80% dead. Much of the fish population has been killed off because of uh, pollution and whatnot. And that's true. I don't know. I, I couldn't really find out. But it, it a lot of the news footage that they show looks very real. And I suspect that it probably is because these things do happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the movie says scientists don't know what killed them that, you know, in many cases that may be the case. And sometimes they figure it out, whatever. Uh, but, uh, Donna is doing this interview and she talks about how she was a communications major and she was covering the July 4th celebration in Claridge, Maryland, which I think is a fictional town a beachfront town on on the Chesapeake Bay and the juxtaposition of the horrors of what we of what man or mankind um is doing to nature it's juxtaposed against the beauty of the nature because the bay yeah. is just absolutely gorgeous like i yeah. want to move there and live there <laughs> like it looks like a ton of fun right like the yeah. people are like windsurfing and they're having their and I mean, didn't this hit a little close to home? Like this community reminded me a lot of um, of our small town community, where they've got their cute little local traditions and they've got their crab eating contest and whatever. And it, even though it's on the East Coast, you can tell this has a bit of a smaller town mm-hmm. city feel to it in their traditions and in the way people act towards each other. They've got you know games going on, dunking booth and all that stuff. And, uh, and this woman, who's a communications major, is working for the obvious small market local news station sent out to just cover these fluff bits of this celebration. While she's also being a little critical of the mayor, giving us a little bit of foreshadowing and saying that, you know, he seems real nice, he's real kind, and he was elected, this, that, and the other, and you could sit down with him outside and she has a little interview with him like in front of a coffee shop just sitting on the street you know very very small town all of this stuff was 
Um, but then she says, but, you know, later what I realize his implication in all of this and his culpability. Mm, he was complicit, for, yeah. For what would happen. And and so that, there, you know, there's a little bit of foreshadowing going on right from the beginning. And then we have these sort of different narrative threads going on. While there's that, she's also giving us information and showing footage of, uh, I think it's Stephanie and Alex, they're a couple who are sailing to Claridge. Uh huh. With their and they baby. have a newborn baby with their baby out there. I mean, you start seeing this stuff and you're like, oh God, well, the only reason we're seeing this stuff is because it's going to somehow end in disaster. Uh-huh. And you throw a baby in there and you're just like, oh, okay, is, is the movie going to go there? I remember those was one of my first thoughts when I was seeing this bit. And then there are two researchers uh, who are uh, going out there as well uh, Jacqueline and Sam. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're, they're scientists, and they actually – all of the stuff with the scientists are, is actually flashbacks because it had happened weeks prior. Right, right. But they they were exploring, you know, why are these – I don't know what they – they were studying the fish, um, and they were collecting fish and studying them, and they started finding – these isopods in the fish, which again is not unusual. It is a natural occurrence. Um, but all these fish are, are dying. And this is all broken up into short clips. So you'll see a little bit of one person's story and then it'll cut back to somebody else's. So the whole scientist thing is spread out over a while. Yeah. But what happens is, um, they notice that the isopods are larger than they normally are. Um, they numerous. seem to be right, more numerous. Um, and, and they are, uh, killing the fish and eating the fish from the inside out, which is uncommon. Um, and so they want to explore further. And eventually they just, and it's funny because they're filming all of this themselves and they're trying to make it like as professional as possible, which is kind of funny. The, the guy is uh, super concerned about like angles and, <laughs> and, yeah. But eventually they go down to explore, um, Die. and yeah. through, yeah, through their point of view, their cameras, we see that they are attacked, um, oh aggressively. Gosh. That was nuts. Uh, there, I'll, I will say this movie for being just more or less a documentary still has horror roots. There were some serious jump scares in this. Mm-hmm. I jumped three or four times, which is, you know, if you can get me to jump three or four times during a horror movie nowadays, I, I you're, you're doing pretty well. And uh, that scene where they're diving down there and the camera just kind of like whips towards him and suddenly it, one of these isopods, it just goes for his eye, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this even makes sense, really, but it, it shoots through the water straight to it into his, um, what's, what's that called? The thing you wear over your eyes? Goggles. Goggles. And just like that. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> right. That's horrifying. As a scuba diver, uh, you, you want you want to make a horror movie, you know, setting it in the water is is perfect because that is a nightmarish land of the unknown for us still, and it's right beneath our feet. We have really right. still scratched the surface of what's down there. And so whenever I have gone diving, it always feels exciting and a little dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. not just being underwater, but just like what kind of crazy weird ass things could be right around the corner, you know, that you don't know about and that all these different kinds of fish, sharks, things. That's what's so thrilling about doing that. So uh, it's totally within the realm of possibility that you're going to encounter something pretty freaky all of a sudden when you're diving under the water. And, well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that. I I enjoy swimming in the ocean. I've never... Um, dove uh and i don't know that i ever would it it scares me a little bit but i I very much enjoy (laughs) the water but that's something else you know as as unknown you know it's almost like space basically um it's treacherous it's unknown that's scary but the other scary thing is we're seeing all of this footage fun like festival festivity footage of of this Mm -hmm. small town like you said it is a very small community but it's also a tourist community so there's a lot of people there there's a lot of stuff going on but the filmmaker uh the director levinson makes a point of showing how much of these festivities and just life in general center around water. If there's yeah. something wrong with the water, like you really, yeah, you can't <laughs> escape that. I mean, you see people swimming and skiing, and like you mentioned, there's a dunking booth, and and just people, you know, drinking, pl- splashing you know, their kid, face. 
Yeah, splashing their faces, drinking water, kids jumping in sprinklers, you know, just water, water everywhere. (laughs) 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 Which makes perfect sense. It's, you know, very much an everyday part of American life in the summertime. Uh, Yeah. we, We flock to destinations specifically for water. And and what happens, you know, the the first signs that something is wrong are people start getting these rashes on their skin. And and the first nightmarish and it, I think that it was smart to do this. They instead of just like, you know, oh a couple people have a little something itchy on their skin. That does happen, but not before we see this larger woman who we had seen in the dunking booth. She had been dunked in the dunking booth. We see her ambling down the street, crying out for help, crying for her husband, and she is just covered head to toe in this horrible rash and mm. these boils. Um, and of course, everybody's freaked out, oh. and, and I think they eventually get her to a hospital, but then this starts happening more and more, and eventually the ER, you know, has eight cases and then 15 cases and then 30 oh. cases and and just um and it's... and on some people the effects the makeup is disgusting yeah and it looks real enough to me and uh you know just these people going to the doctor and saying you know I've got this something on my back and they lift up their shirt and it's just you know it looks like worse than like third degree burns like it's just Ugh, it's so nasty. Um, and as it, and as it starts to affect more and more people, you realize that they're in big trouble. And the doctor, the ER doctor in this small town, like the, he's like the one ER doctor in this small town, he's completely overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can't figure out what it is. So he contacts the CDC and the CDC is absolutely shocked to find that it's, affecting so many people they say some you know things like this have happened before and we've lost you know eight or nine people or whatever and they're like how many people do you have and he's like uh 120 <laughs> like in there yeah the cdc has no idea and, and so that's we continue to see the interactions between this poor doctor and the cdc who really don't know what's going on they're trying to figure out eventually they they kind of do but it's these it's yeah it's it's yeah, the isopods I mean, <laughs> the, yeah they're getting into people and they're eating their way out they start finding bodies um the first body they find is just yeah. a- along the side of the street and it has holes in it and they had found i think they had found the divers the the um the scientists uh and they they couldn't explain their wounds but they said well sometimes sharks get up in here even though it doesn't really look like shark bites that's the best thing they could come up with so they're not sure well now these things are happening on land and and at first they think it's maybe gunshot wounds they think they're looking for a killer but then it just starts happening more and more until eventually i mean it's just pandemonium yeah and some really interesting things happen um at some point in here, the oceanographers do, I think, go to a city council meeting. They show footage from that, again, well before this stuff happened. Uh, and uh, the mayor is just downplays it. They, they raise some concerns. He says, no, no, it's fine. And they just opened up a new desalinization plant down the way to make sure the water is safe. And even, uh, you know, later at the when he's giving us speech at the event, you know, that kind of be, where all the start kind of starts beginning. He even makes some reference to the water being clean. And do people say this is a problem? And uh, this is the best damn water I've ever had in my life. And he takes a sip from it. So you get a little bit of that, you know, corporate greed. Uh, the mayor's kind of not not knowingly, presumably in on it. Right. Not like they knew this was happening, but just neglect, you know, and ignorance and ignoring it because it's politically mm-hmm. expedient to do so. And so it does follow the mayor around a little bit as things go crazy with the town. He goes in a car with the policeman when they're um, answering a call out somewhere. And it's there's this family, I guess, who, you know, has been crying for help. And one of the officers goes inside while we just see the footage from inside the police car. And we hear the audio. And it's like this family's basically just begging to be killed. Mm -hmm. And the officer comes out. And he's been bitten by them. And you can see him walking almost zombie-like 
you know, towards the car, and he's got some problems with him. His face or whatever is messed up, and the other officer inside the car jumps out. And I don't know, man, it just touches so many nerves because nowadays, and I don't remember if this was true 10 years ago, probably wasn't as true as it is now. Nowadays, we're even watching disasters unfold through body cameras and Uh police car cameras. And we see these terrible scenes of people getting, police getting shot and killed or, you know, people getting killed by the police. And so it just taps a nerve every single time. And wouldn't you know it, right here in this freaking movie, you know, is the same damn thing. It's a dash cam footage of this cop stumbling out of this house and he's not right. And his partner pops out of the car and runs towards him and is like, hey, man, hey, man, like, what's going on? Like, get in the car. Um, you see Manuel. And the cop pulls his gun out and aims it at him. Yeah, I mean, him. you combined a couple scenes there. It's it's actually not his partner that he shoots when, when the chief of police or something. But the... The, the two guys, the two cops who are buddies, you know, it says that one of them had been best man and the other one's wedding, you know, like they establish. That, that's another thing that I like that they do about this movie is they establish the humanity of the characters. We don't get to know them well, but they seem like real people. And so when the one partner goes into the house and you hear, they enhance the audio so that you can hear what's going on. I guess the audio from his body cam, I don't know. But they enhance the audio, and you hear these people like moaning and groaning and begging to be killed, and then you hear gunshots, and then his, and then the partner goes in, and he's like, "What are you doing?" and and they see what's happening. In, in fact, you can even like hear the scuttling of the isopods and stuff, and you hear one of them say, "It's on me! It's on my leg!" And um, later, the mayor and the, the chief of police are driving around, you know, just to see what's going on because things have gotten so crazy and they come across the cop car and presumably presumably one of the police guys is already dead but one of them comes stumbling out and like you said he's clearly already a mess he's clearly infested with these things and he shoots the chief of police before turning his gun on himself and the mayor takes the cop car and and drives away and wrecks it and there's we see a lot of this you know like a crawl or or um words that tell us what's happening and they say the mayor died of his injuries he likely would have survived but there were no ambulances or medical services available because the whole town is in chaos which (laughs) you know is um kind of karma for him because like you said, uh, it's not like he set out to do this. It's not like he understood the severity of the consequences. Um, but he was complicit in allowing this to happen. Oh, it's so COVID, man. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. You know? It, it, it very much is. And, and, you know, when it first starts, the mayor's ability to... Uh, broadcast. She's still recording, but uh, she can't live stream it or live broadcast or whatever. So they're trying to keep it contained. And the mayor even goes on the radio and he's like, look, you know, sometimes when it's especially hot as it is right now, bacteria levels in the water fluctuate and sometimes they become high. And um, he says, so if you're somebody who's particularly sensitive, then maybe you would consider limiting the amount of time you spend in the water, maybe stay away from the water for a little bit. And, you know, when something big and scary like this happens, that's exactly how it starts. Mm-hmm. Stay calm. It's okay. Yeah, there's something going on, but you're probably going to be fine. I mean, <laughs> until you're not, until it just blows up and then Yes. Yeah, you're right. It, it it's frightening in 2020 2021 um because we've witnessed it over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah at least we didn't have things eating us from the inside out. Well, uh, I mean, kinda (laughs) well could always be worse I'm trying to find a positive spin on this Greg come on (laughs) yeah yeah well I think that the positive thing about it is that um, I am somebody who's relatively environmentally conscious like I'm aware of 
these problems and I try not to actively contribute. You know, my partner and I share one car and, and we recycle and, you know, we try to do those little everyday things that you can do. Um, I'm sure that we could do more, but I'm conscious of it and, and, and wary of it. But I think that even for somebody like me and maybe for others, I don't know, this is a fair warning. You know, nature is fragile. And if we continue to do things that are actively harming our own environment, our own planet, our own home, eventually we are going to have to face the music. Yeah. And I think that this does, you know, it's, it's, it's exaggerated and then it happens over a couple of days. But, uh. I think that the movie does a really good job of maintaining interest just by giving us a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different narratives, and a lot of different stories to follow. It really does unfold like a very well done documentary. And, you know, one of those narratives, again, is this very human story of this couple with their baby who's coming back home to visit relatives and is completely unaware of what's going on because uh-huh. they're on a boat. And uh, they, they get a little worried because they're trying the cell phones and they're not getting any signal. They're not getting through to their to their relatives. But, you know, they land. I think it's about evening time. It's nighttime when they land and things are just dead. They're like, wait a second. Like, this is the holidays. This place should be hopping. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. And they step off and they're with their kid. And there are moments there when they're there with their kid and you're just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to this baby? Right. You know, they come across some dead bodies. He has been swimming. Well, he bay. fell. Yeah. I mean, I, I think she either, you know, playfully pushed him into the water. Or he fell in the water. I mean, you know, it's it's playful and he's not, you know, he swims around for a little bit or whatever. I also thought that the usually in a situation like this, especially they're a young married couple and they've got, like you said, a newborn that they're carrying around in like a pumpkin seed or whatever. And first of all, you know, like you said, the town is, the town is dead. But yeah, when, when they start to see the dead bodies, my immediate thought was get out. Like, why would you stay? But they casually mention it, like the husband, because I think she says that. I think she says, let's get back on the boat or something. He's like, what What do you want to do? You know, we get back on the boat and, and launch with no gas. Okay, I buy that. <laughs> you know, if it, were, if it were me, maybe I would look for the shoreside gas station and just steal some gas. I don't know, but... It, it, it kind of made sense. They're still a little ignorant as to what's going on, though, right? Like, they don't know how far it goes, how much it reaches. Then they, It's not really until they wander into the town that they realize, like, everything is dead, right? Yeah. They're dead bodies in the streets. At that point, I would have been like, yeah, get the hell out. Like, why are there dead bodies literally in the streets? Uh-huh. And they end up in a... In like an antique store, uh-huh. right? That happens to be open. It's shortly after they arrive at that antique store. And we are seeing footage, I think it's through like the security cameras, right? At the antique store. Yeah. And he's suddenly going kind of nuts because these things are inside of him and they're starting to crawl out. And he grabs, it's very horror movie, you know, where he's freaking out. She's freaking out. And he grabs a like a poker from the fireplace and he's asking her to end it? I, am I right? Yeah. Is he basically saying, kill me? Yeah. Cut it out or something? I think he was saying, kill me. That was awfully abrupt. It, it was. I mean, he wouldn't even know what's going on, right? I mean, he could just be violently sick. Well, but you can see, and, and I have to say the effects, this is a gory movie. It really is. And, and the yeah. effects look really good. I mean, if, if I remember correctly, you can see something actively trying Crawling to burrow around. its way out of his neck, I think. Oh, at one point, yeah, it, it does burrow out of his neck, and it's coming straight out. That's the end of it, right? That's when... Does she end up killing him? I honestly don't remember. It's been like two or three weeks since... I- yeah. <laughs> I, she either... I'm not sure if she ends up killing him, but that was a really touching scene, just because... Again, as you said earlier, like life is fragile. And one minute you're on a boat with your newborn, you know, going to see, to visit your family. And not hours later, suddenly one of you has something burrowing out of his skin and is dead. And I, I, that really, that really 
pulled at my heartstrings. And that's it toward did. the end of the movie. I mean, right. That's near the very end. Yeah. And the movie was engaging to me from up to the very end, really. Uh, well, and the other. Because of these things. Because the, the, of those the variety. Things. Yes. And the humanity of it. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like you said, that is near the very end. But there are also other people that we follow. One of them is like a teenage girl, I would guess, mm. 15, maybe. And she is FaceTiming with a friend in another town um, and, and basically documenting her own she, – she has it. She has the rash. And it starts out very small and she's concerned, but then she makes her way to the hospital. And, and we just get maybe a minute or two of her FaceTiming with her friend, but we see the progress. You know, at first on her, it's just a little bit of a rash. It's disgusting, but it's just on one – part of her body but eventually she makes her way to the hospital when she gets to the hospital there are quite a few people there but then later when we check in with her again and her own symptoms have progressed i mean the hospital is just teeming with patients the the staff is overwhelmed um much of the staff has fled eventually the doctor's the only one who stays and the cdc tells him that he should leave and he's like are you kidding me he's like are you kidding me i've got like 130 people here who are dying and I'm just supposed to leave and they're like yeah you really should <laughs> the CDC's like it's a miracle that you haven't been infected yet and he's like no I'm fine yeah <laughs> and then you know there's just one scene where um this young teenage couple you know just fooling around like out hanging out in the afternoon or whatever but they've got with them a camcorder or I don't know, maybe even just their phones or whatever, and they're <clears throat> they're videoing each other. It's flirty, it's cute. She uh, jumps in the water, and and uh, he says something like, "No, I'll just let the jellyfish sting you." And she says, "Ow!" And he thinks she's kidding, but then she starts. The waters kind of start to roll, and and sure, she's man. yeah, and she's being attacked, and I think he falls in, and it says that uh, they found the camera weeks and weeks later but their bodies were never recovered and so it's just you know these little mundane scenes of everyday people in their everyday lives dealing with this strange phenomenon and it's also somewhat realistic in that it doesn't affect everybody you know, some people, whether it be because they weren't exposed to the water or they were just lucky, yeah. I don't know. But it's not affecting everybody. It's affecting a lot of people. But even at one point, we hear a voice message um, from the young married couple. Her, it's her parents that they're going to see. And we hear a voice message from her mother to her that she never got. And it said, she, you know, her mom's like, something strange is happening. Your father uh, has some sort of rash or something. They're afraid they're going to have to amputate his leg. Lots of people have it. I, I think I may have it too. And she says, you know, uh, we just want you to know that we love you, and whatever happens, don't get off the boat. But, <laughs> but she, ne but she never got the message. Just, just the realism of hearing a voicemail. <laughs> yeah, and, and it sounds right. very heartfelt and and true to life. I think makes it just it's scarier, you know, for me. Yeah. For me, I love all types of horror movies. I love monster movies and sci-fi and all that kind of stuff. But some of the scariest movies are so scary because you believe they really could happen. Yeah. Um, and you believe that they really could happen to normal people like you, like your friends and family. And to see it portrayed in that way is potentially more impactful on a scary level than seeing somebody get their head ripped off by Godzilla or whatever. Exactly. Which is also fun, but different. <laughs> well, it's like you said, too, especially now, like, this is this is really exploiting the fact that we are constantly now in this communication age where we have so many different ways to communicate with each other. We have so many different ways that we're leaving traces behind. You know, we're out constantly taking photos with our camera and videos and things with our camera. We're Skyping with people. We're you know, we chatting over here with people, I, you know, I'm video chatting with my parents a lot. I don't usually record it. Mm -hmm. But you know, I mean, he, you know, I think Levinson chose this format when he said, 
he was thinking about the Pompeii disaster and basically thought, well, my God, like if that had happened today, there you could just round up everyone's cell phone footage and their Skype conversations and stuff and get a much clearer picture of what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think this movie kind of falls a little short is in the wrap-up. At the end of the whole deal, you know, basically the, it's, it's just kind of the government comes in, I think, and they apparently, and this is all more or less just told to us. There's mm-hmm. no footage of it. Right. But it's just the gov- the government came and I think dumped chlorine over everything and managed to kill everything off and then paid off the rest of the town to keep it quiet yep. to avoid panic. And I'm thinking, my God, come on. I mean, you know, these people are communicating with others. Wasn't it that young couple? Weren't they actually on the phone with their brother? when Or, or a friend or something, yeah. Or a friend or somebody who wasn't even in the town who, who was there watching when this was going down. I mean, there's no way in hell that this thing would that there'd be you couldn't find everybody to be able to pay them off even if they would take the money you know what i mean and so i found that conceit to be a little far-fetched i don't know man like (laughs) they say they claim the filmmakers claim that homeland security covered it up um, and they, they, they quarantined the town, which we saw earlier because people in the town were trying to flee, but they had closed off the only bridge. So people couldn't leave. They said they, they confiscated everybody's cameras. Like you said, they, they killed off the isopods with incredibly high uh, concentrations of chlorine. And I said 75 or 80% of Chesapeake Bay is lifeless. I, I was wrong. My notes tell me it's 40%, which according to the trivia that I read is accurate. Now, I don't cite me on that. I don't know if it's true or not. But right. they, they, uh, the government attributed what happened to unseasonably high water temperatures. And that just sounds, yep, that sounds like what would get reported and <laughs> that I would mm-hmm. believe it. And then, you know, it ends again, you know, showing us like it did in the beginning, all this presumably real footage of mass deaths of fish and, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. But also, you know, uh, right alongside footage of, again, water activities, like life just goes back to normal. You see, you know, the same things that we saw before of all these people doing all kinds of things in, around, with, water. Now, I don't know. I really am not a conspiracy theorist, and it's very difficult. This, for me, in my lifetime, the level of conspiracy theory that exists in our world is unprecedented for me. It's insane. There there have yeah. always been conspiracy theories, um, but they are so widespread at this point, and there's so much buy-in to them. People that I know are buying into these conspiracy theories, people that I never would have expected, educated people. And I, I always have to kind of check myself and, and, and say, you know, I don't believe these things, but who's to say there's not some truth to them? You know, ultimately, I don't know. But it, it's just <laughs> the, the, the idea that this could... <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is Many people today, if they heard this story and were told this story as though it were true, or if they read about it on Facebook and were told that it was true, would they would be, it. they would 100% yeah. believe it without question. Mm-hmm. And you'd see a documentary like this. Right. <laughs> I think this might be the only horror movie that Barry Levinson has ever done. Yeah, I don't know. The name is familiar. <sighs> I mean, he, he, uh, the natural young Sherlock Holmes, Good Morning Vietnam, mm. Rain Man, Avalon, Toys. Oh, that's right. Sleepers. <sighs> toys. Wag the dog. <laughs> Toy- toys is one of my favorite movies. I think it's my favorite Robin Williams movie. If you have, it's not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie at all, but I still highly recommend it. It's kind of unknown. It's not one of his better known. Um, right? roles but it's so oh, we used to good. rent it all the time it's so good oh and young sherlock holmes i saw that in the theater mm. and i loved it and that movie has seems to have been lost to history uh-huh and uh and i still like that movie. i went back and watched it and i was like damn this why don't people remember this movie more right <laughs> so yeah i mean he has a crazy voix but i think this was his only dip into horror so that's kind of interesting it was good i mean i i, I think yeah, I think it's really effective, and and I think it's well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I told you, I said it's found footage, but not 
in the way that we usually talk about found footage. I told you it's more like a documentary. So it's a compilation of news footage and interviews and some, you know, found footage of, of people filming their own experiences or whatever. But I just feel like it, it's put together really well. Uh, it's well edited. Um, it's, it's no, it's not boring. It's, it's, it's short. It's under an hour and a half. It's never boring. The pace keeps up the tension builds um it's scary it, it is scary and, and, and i got jump scares i mean my god it's gory it's great as a horror movie it's fantastic well and i was worried about people you know i was worried about donna i kept you know we only see her cameraman once and when we see him it's when he can stop to splash some water on his face and then it says he died the the following day um i you know of course it's a little bit of an emotional cheat, but throw that baby in there. I was worried about them. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the mom and the baby presumably get away, by the way. Not before there's another jump scare where they're kind of not attacked, but I don't know a better word for it. Kind of attacked by somebody who's infected. And you see one of the isopods crawling towards the baby. But the mom, oh God. the mom, not even realizing what's happening, the mom pulls the baby away just in the nick of time. And one of the last things you see is just her with holding the the baby's carrier and walking down the desolate street out of town um so the baby makes it <laughs> presumably don't worry folks don't worry folks the baby made it <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean it was just uh, it, it left me feel it, it made me think not specifically i i'm not terribly worried about these isopods really but right um it did concern me about other uh environmental factors um that are very real and very scary and very dangerous oh yeah. um and in that way i think it's really effective and i would i i have recommended this movie to uh friends i think it's really well done yeah, I completely agree with you. I thought it was a very effective horror movie. It was it was engaging from beginning to end, just really well done, and a very good use of the found footage genre. Really quite nice. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Just Google us online, and uh, Two Guys in a Chainsaw podcast will bring up our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, and our website. You can leave us a comment there. We have a few more requests coming up. Get your request in as well, and uh, we will get to that. Until next time, I am Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.